Welcome to ChatCPG, the podcast dedicated to helping photographers like you scale their business and thrive in the world of photography. I'm your host, Casey, and as a photographer for the last 15 years, I know firsthand the highs and lows that come with running a business. I'm here to share what happens when working with companies like Amazon, Barclays, Virgin, O2, Meta, YouTube, Google, and even covering royal engagements. Throughout each episode, we'll dive deep into the industry secrets, practical tips, and inspiring success stories, ultimately providing you with the knowledge you need to enhance your business skills and boost your profits. Your journey starts now, so get ready to leave with valuable insights and actionable tips that will make a real difference in your photography business. Let's do this, and remember, kindness is king, so let's begin! Thank you so much for joining me on the second episode of Chat CPG. I am your host, Casey Gutteridge, and let's kick off with an amazing thank you to absolutely every one of you who spent the time listening to me. I'm blown away by the amount of people who've tuned in, and I've had some amazing support from some clients, some friends, some photographers, some family. My wife was like my biggest fan as well, jumping along. I'm really pleased, and ultimately, I'm hoping that it helps you. So let's catch up, let's dive in, let's see what we've been up to. I started off with a breakfast meeting at the Savoy Hotel with one of the networking clubs which I'm involved with, the Founders Club. This club is all about business, you have to be a founder of a business to be involved. I love networking clubs, they're great for finding new work and ultimately creating friends in the industry which is always a win-win. At this event there was a mixture of company that creates tailored clothing coaches, a mind reader who was interested, do I need to even ask my question or is he just going to know what I'm going to say? There's an osteopath, a lady who creates classes to help people with Botox and has a clinic in Mayfair. There was a lady who's involved with a members club in Mayfair as well, which is definitely one I'm going to go back to. There's also a gentleman who owns some gyms and has a event planning company with motorcycles. Great fun. And I treated myself to the avocado on eggs, on some sourdough toast, which was wonderful as well. Networking clubs are fantastic. I really enjoy them. Networking clubs are fantastic and I highly recommend. You'll be amazed with the amount of people in the industry who are purposefully there just to network and help each other out and like-minded individuals as well. And it's a really great way to find other work. So highly, highly recommend. Secondly, this week, my cousin got married, which I'm over the moon with. So congratulations to her. We had a wedding in London, followed by a fantastic afternoon at a restaurant that they hired out, and it was brilliant. The weather was true British style. It rained for most of the day, but I was honoured to be asked to photograph some of the ceremony and also some of the moments straight away after. The heavens had paused for us, which was really nice, so we had about 40 minutes of no rain as we... um, photograph the group photos and also them getting in the car and driving off and my absolute favorite part was when the car decided to break down and just as it started to rain my poor cousin's face and her new husband who's a part of the family now was looking like what do we do and as the gentleman that I am I said don't worry I'll help bump start it now I don't know much about cars I've got an electric car myself I just unplug it and press go in the morning. But this car was an Alfa Romeo something something and we had to pull the choke out. We had to put it in a certain gear and we had to push it down the hill. And as I 
got up to about six or seven miles an hour whilst wearing a tuxedo. He bumped started. Nothing happened. I nearly landed in the boot of the car. And then we put the roof up. They jumped in my car. We arrived at the venue. And I smelt beautifully of oil. What a lovely afternoon it was. I love weddings and I love a family gathering. I'm a very much a family person. I've got a wonderful group of cousins who are all my age and it was so nice to be together with everyone and just to document it through the life of a photographer it's great fun I had my camera I got to play with a Leica Q2 as well which is brilliant which creates beautiful black and white monochromatic pictures and I just enjoyed it it's so nice to actually document a, a wedding through the eyes of how you see it and because everyone knew me I was really happy just putting a camera in their face and I didn't care if they liked it or not because they were so drunk it was wonderful so a really wonderful family moment there as well i also have covered a job for the evening standard last week which involved the project brief was to photograph cash on a plate they wanted a clean white background with a dinner set up and they also wanted it to look like loads of 50 pound notes nicely arranged on the plate as if it had been served as a main platter because the cost of living and everything has gone up recently. So they thought, why don't we just make it a say what you see picture? And I think it should be coming out in the next couple of days. I believe it's the Evening Standard front cover of the Reveller, but we'll see when it comes out if, if it makes the cut. But that was a nice, interesting prop search. It's trying to get as many £50 notes, <laughs> which was really nice. So a very good mix and ultimately, I set you some tasks this week as well. Let's recap them very quickly before we dive into this week's episode. The goals were putting yourself in your client's shoes, getting your portfolio ready for instant sharing, and thirdly, your rate card, your two, four, and eight-hour rate card. Putting that together, how does it look? How can we get that pricing out there? So, how did you get on? Did you write your goals down first off? I hope you did. I did as well. I wrote one down and it's to commit to 10 episodes of this podcast. Now, a few people who listen to this have got in touch and said, is this something we're going to have to pay for? When is it coming out? How's it happening? It's absolutely free. I want to help you just become a better business person and be better at your industry. And I'm aiming to release these every Tuesday. So you've got something nice to listen to in the evening as well. Now you might be asking, well, how come you only set one goal? And now personally, I get distracted very easily. And especially with all of the work and running of the company, every day is completely different. We have very quick turnaround times of imagery and delivering clients images the following day. If I'd set too much, that was too unrealistic. I'd set a goal that's too far away and it, I won't do it. So I thought if I set a very simple goal of just one thing to achieve, I just wanted to achieve this one goal of creating 10 episodes and releasing them weekly. So why did I ask you to do this? What was the benefit of looking at yourself from your client's perspective? Now, when I employ other freelancers, there's certain things that I noticed that I was expecting my clients to do. One of the things I found really important is start time versus arriving time. A lot of the clients that would book us would always ask for us to arrive half an hour before the actual job was due to start, but they wouldn't make that clear when they very first booked us. So that's one of the questions we now write down when we ask the client for information. Especially if you're booking in two or three jobs in the same day, if you overlap them, suddenly your client asks you to arrive half an hour early to your second job, you can very quickly find yourself running out of time in the day and letting someone down. So it's important to figure out what 
the client is expecting from you? And that is the start time or is it the arrival time? And usually tell them how long it would take you to set up. If you're doing an event and it's just pulling a camera out of a bag, five minutes is fine. If you're setting up a complete white background headshot, you might need half an hour. And just say to them, I will arrive for 9am, but we won't start shooting until half 9am. And if they want you to come in that extra half an hour early, is that something you quote for or allow time for at the end just to make sure you're still sticking within that half a day or however many hours you've booked in for? Secondly, is when you're quoting, how does that look? Are you sending them a price and that's it, just one line? Or are you sending them a breakdown of what are they actually getting? Are they getting travel time? Are they getting the amount of hours that they're on site for? Are they getting the editing time included? What other red flags might pop up that the client isn't sure of? So what I do when I'm quoting for a job, I'll be very clear on this is four hours of on-site photography. That includes the editing of that job. And anything additional is charged at X amount per hour. And the joys of that is that you're very transparent from the beginning. So you don't have to worry about things popping up or you having unclear messages coming from your end. Because what we want to try and do is make the client's life as easy as possible. When you're quoting for a job, make sure that you say that that includes your travel time, your edit time and any hidden agendas. And especially with video editing, that's the thing I find is the most amount of questions pop up is because you might quote for two days of editing but need to spill into three. But if you make it clear from the beginning that you have two days of editing set aside, but if it does hit the three days of editing, it will cost X amount per day moving forward. And lastly, at the bottom of the emails, I do my best to try and add that little bit of extra value to our clients. Do you tell them how quickly you'll deliver the images or where they will be stored? Or do they have to pay for prints and things like that as well? So you want to try and add as much value to your client's email as you can and ultimately make it a nice experience for them to read and understand a clear breakdown of what it is you do. Now, secondly, I hope you've done this, is getting your portfolio ready for sharing. I use a Dropbox link or I use an album on my phone. Now, why do we have this? Speed is better than perfection. The 80-20 rule. We want 80% of the stuff we do to be perfect and that 20% of finesse, don't worry too much about it. We want to stop the client going elsewhere. And if a client has asked you for a portfolio of images, you don't want to be scowling the internet and looking through years of different images to find and pull them together. You want to be able to share them as quickly as you can with your client. Let the images speak for themselves, but have them ready to share. That will save time as well. And the website is bit.ly. My news portfolio is cpg-news. And I know that off the top of my head, but I've also got a keyboard shortcut set on my iPhone that I can type in three words and it pop up with information. Now, over time, I often found that clients would ask the same questions about, can we see an example portfolio or can we have a look at your rate card and things like this? So save me doing it every time. I came up with shortcuts. I now have these saved as shortcuts on my phone. So when I'm typing an email, I can just type the three words in and it comes up with the complete URL. Ultimately, we're stopping our clients having to go elsewhere and it saves you time from having to do this. Now, the one thing I hated doing was going back through the archive of images and trying to pull together 10 to 15 images to show them what was possible and what we could do. 
firstly, when you go back to look through all these old images, you start criticizing them. You think, oh, that's not as good as it could have been. And, and you cut out all that time by having them preloaded on a page somewhere saved away. And as you get better with your work, you can add to them as you go along. Thirdly, rate card, 248. This is a core one to work on, and it's a great place to start from. Again, it speeds up the process so you don't have to waste time thinking about how much or how long and all these different variables that could pop up. It enables you to get a ballpark cost by sharing them with the potential client. It tells them if they can afford you. Now, if you blend this with getting them on the phone, you can start to create an easy point for a price conversation. Now, the best way I do my rate card is having the absolute minimum amount that I would leave my house for. And that's usually the one hour fee. Even if the job's only 30 minutes, which it rarely is, this allows your travel time, editing time, time discussing the job and everything else that's involved with that. From there, I have my two hour, my four hour and my eight hour, which are half days and full days. So how do we find the rate? Now this is dependent on where you are across the country, your skills and the audience you're targeting. Most of our clients are in the corporate world, which allows for more budget compared to smaller individual jobs that people are paying for, such as parties and weddings. Now, if you've been shooting for a long time, naturally you'll have a rough idea of what rates you are charging. However, you still might have situations where you're plucking them out of thin air. So let's get some guidance. For the sake of argument, we're gonna charge 600 pounds for a full day. Now for half a day, it's going to be half of that, plus a little bit on top. So we're gonna go for 350 pounds. Now for a two hour job, we're gonna be slightly cheaper, but also adding a bit more on top again. So let's go for 250. And lastly, our one hour rate, which is the absolute bare minimum that you would get out of bed for. Let's put that at 200, which still covers your editing and travel time. So let's lock that in. And you can always change these as you progress or feel that you're taking on too much work and you want to reduce the amount of hours you're doing. Now I add these to a letter headed paper and I make it clear what the client gets. So for 600 pounds, they will get eight hours of photography on site, including traveling within London. And on top of that, they also get the editing involved, which is a basic retouch, which involves cropping, color correction. They also receive the link to an online gallery and it's password protected and they stay online for three months. So that shows your terms that they're gonna get. I put this clearly on my paper, I lock it in on a PDF and I upload it to my Dropbox and I create a URL to save it to. So next up, we want to figure out who is your target audience? Who do we want to work for? Is it magazines, hotels, lifestyle, food and drink, fashion, headshot photography, weddings, whatever that is. This is very similar to goal setting. If we know where we're going, it's much easier to stick on that track. And I love the expression, an archer cannot hit the bullseye if he doesn't know where the target is. So by having a clear idea of what we do or who we want to work for, this can really help. We can start to build portfolio or contacts in that area that you want to work in. Now I've worked many events, charity gala dinners, and I'm gonna be honest here, when I started out when I was 18, I was charging 50 pound per night, which was the same as my day rate at work. I didn't know any different. And all I wanted to do was build up a portfolio and show clients I was good at this type of work. It was for a charity as well. 
It helped me build a brilliant portfolio and made some wonderful connections. Now the opportunity was there and I wanted to make sure they knew me. I added them on LinkedIn and Instagram and I would also make sure to keep in touch with them and thanking them for the work and help along the way. Years later, the team who worked there had moved on to many other jobs and whenever they needed a photographer, they would likely come back to me. As my portfolio kept building and growing, my networking skills got better and better. I felt a lot more comfortable talking to strangers, showing them my work as I went along, and it was a fantastic way to connect with new people. Here's a little quick tip for you. If you struggle to get contacts when you're at an event photographing someone, take a picture of them and say, I'd love to share this image with you. What's your email address? I'll send it over to you. So you're asking them for their contact details, which means you can get in contact with them. Because sometimes if you give your card out, they might disappear, forget it, lose it, get drunk, we don't know. But by you having their information, you can reach out to them. You could also add them online as well. And ultimately, you're giving them a free picture of themselves, which is a win-win. So here are my tips for the episode, and I hope you take action on them. Number one, let's start building your online game. If you want to be an event photographer, show these images off. Let people know what you do without having to explain that. Pick out 10 to 20 images of your best work, keeping it varied, because no one likes to see 10 of the same person at the same event. When I employ my freelancers, I always ask them to show me a variety of skill and images. It just shows me that they're comfortable in different situations, and you should be doing the same. Secondly, I highly recommend that you get LinkedIn. Now, I love this, it's great for keeping in touch with professional people, and you can also make sure to add clients that you're working with or have worked with in the past. If you have it at the moment, try giving the clients who you've worked with a recommendation and share the kindness. Now, I hope to see a friend request from you as well. The more people in our photography network, the better. Thirdly, I want you to make an effort of connecting with 10 new people. Now, this can be online or in person. If you are doing it online, Look for people in your target audience and add them. Send them a message. Send them a voice note. Tell them what you do and that you'd love the opportunity to work with them. If you add 10 people a week, that's 520 people a year. Now we only need one or two of those people to say yes to your work and you're winning. If you're doing this face-to-face, -face, firstly, well done. It's a bit harder, but I do believe it's the best way of networking. You're showing off that personality and you can connect with people a lot better. You can do this in coffee shops. You can do this at networking clubs. The more people you talk to about your work, the higher chance you have of getting new clients. Now I'm going to leave you with this. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. That's by Winston Churchill. So there's your homework for this week. And I really do hope you take action. And again, if you have any questions or comments, please do let me know. I look forward to helping you. Thank you so much for listening. Join me next time to see where we go from there.